This is The Enthusiast's Guild, a podcast about wonderful and interesting things with the people who enjoy them. I'm Fletcher C. Finch. I'm Adam Zaremski. And our guest today is... Nick Gunner. Welcome, Nick. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Adam, can you tell us why we wanted to invite Nick on the show? Well, I've known Nick for a couple of years now. Um, <laughs> how long are we going on, Nick? It's uh, probably 2005, I'd say, when I first met you. He's my brother-in-law. Probably 16 years, yeah. So we've got to know each other for a long time, family gatherings. And then we've also greatly enough developed a friendship over those years. So for Nick uh, in our enthusiast podcast, we thought we'd talk about his love of rock climbing and how that's developed because it's it's pretty cool. Nick, can you tell us a little bit about yourself too? Sure. Yeah. As Adam mentioned, I am married to his sister and I, by day, make software and, you know, pretty normal sort of day to day. I'm not a professional rock climber. I am the, I am probably in the like 55, 60th percentile of amateurs, <laughs> but I am highly enthusiastic about it, which makes me, I think, qualified to talk about it on this podcast. <laughs> That's exactly what we're looking for. Like I said, I, I build software and rock climb as much as I can. It's one of a handful of things that I'm really passionate about, but I, it's definitely the number one thing that I obsess over. So Nick, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> what got you into this? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a common, common question about rock climbing because from the outside, it is a kind of a pointless thing, right? To be obsessed about just climbing stuff. It's one of these worlds that as soon as you step into it, you get it. It doesn't, and it doesn't take long you know, a couple of visits to the rock gym, you know, you, you see that progression start to happen and all of a sudden it, you get it. You see all of the, the reasons to be in involved in rock climbing, but how did I get into rock climbing? Is that the direction? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you grew up in an area where we don't have a mountain climbing per se. And you know, how long have you been into it now? How many years? Uh, well, I, the first time I, I climbed something I guess that you would call rock climbing it was probably six years ago. Caitlin, your sister, for my birthday, took me to the Niagara Climbing Center. And I didn't even have a pair of suitable sneakers, let alone climbing shoes. Um, and I think on the way there, we stopped and picked up like running sneakers because I was like, oh, I need something to climb in. And I really loved it. I was terrible at it. And from there, a couple of years later, when I was working for SUNY Fredonia, they put in a rock wall at the the fitness center on the campus. And during my lunch breaks, I just went over there and would would jump on that rock wall. I had a friend who was sort of the person who took care of that rock wall, somebody mm -hmm. we went to high school with, and he was attending college at Fredonia. And so I knew that he was there. And so I went over there and hang, hung out with him. And so we would climb on this pretty small wall over there and I would use the gym shoes so like a half step up from the sneakers, but you're right. So Western New York, there's, it's the, probably the biggest, objectively biggest rock climbing void in the world. I mean, it's profound how little there is to climb here in Western New York. So maybe I kind of think it might have to do with the fact it's sort of the grass is greener syndrome, you know, it's something you can't have. And so it appeals to you. I think that's what, what, it, what drew me to it, but it's hard to explain. Were you somebody who, as a kid, loved to like clamber up trees and, and rocks and all that too? I was. There was a friend of mine down the road who we always climbed trees. We, I mean, we would go high, like, like looking back on it as a 
you know, 12 year old kind of scarily high. And now as a dad myself and thinking about, you know, kids going up that high, uh, it was uh, something we did all the time. And I actually ran into him a few years ago at a gas station near our hometown. And he had become an arborist actually, which I thought was interesting. He's like, yeah, remember we used to always climb trees together. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I never, I honestly, I never had an interest in taking it any further than that until I was about 25. And that's when Caitlin took me to Niagara Climbing Center. I'm 32 now. So yeah, or 31, almost 32. So yeah, about six years worth of experimenting with, with climbing and getting deeper and deeper into it. I guess so going from climbing at the Niagara Climbing Center, casually climbing on my lunch breaks in the, the gym at the Fredonia campus to where I am now, where I'm totally obsessed with this thing. Uh, about three years ago, we moved to Colorado. And we really had no reason to move to Colorado other than it seemed like a cool thing to do. We were feeling a little stagnant in our careers. And I had started my own business at the time. And there was really nothing. Well, there were things holding us back, but we decided that it wasn't going to hold us back. We just wanted to kind of go get out of Western New York for a while. We were drawn to Colorado um, because of what we just talked about. It's the polar opposite of Western New York. Western New York is, is flat. There's no climbing. I shouldn't say the polar opposite. It has a lot of similarities to Western New York. But as far as rock climbing, you're not finding that there. Not, not here, rock climbing. Exactly. So we moved out there and I was right down, like we had bike paths everywhere. So from where we were living. So I found a rock climbing gym that was within a 20 minute bike ride down the, the bike path. And I started going there and progressing. And I met who I kind of come to know as my sort of rock climbing mentor there. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I, I'm not super social. I wasn't super social at the gym and I was riding my bike there and very terribly bouldering and, and climbing. And the only person that I literally ever talked to while I was like getting my harness on the one day was, was this guy named Sean. And I, to this day, I still never talked to anybody at that gym other than him. And he was the same. He ne- very, <laughs> I think he'd be comfortable with me saying he's pretty antisocial, not really. He'd rather be out in the mountains, you know, by himself than talking to anybody. So for some random reason, we talked to each other and he told me that he was starting a chalk, uh, a climbing chalk business. And I told him that I was kind of in the early phases of my business and that I did video. Pro- I, mm-hmm. I made video production as a way to make some money while I was getting the other parts of my business running. And he was like, wow, I really was actually just thinking I need a a promotional video for, for the chalk. And I was like, I really want to go outside climbing. I don't want to just climb in the Mm -hmm. gym. And when I, when I started getting into it, when we moved out to Colorado, I thought that climbing outdoors was this far off dream. I was, I was like, if by the time we move back home, the intention was always to move back home within like two years after moving to Colorado. I said, I want to go climb something outdoors, something that I can be proud of outside. And -hmm. I thought that was going to be like years in the making. And then it would be this big grand finale. But a couple months into climbing, (laughs) I met this guy and he was like, well, I'll take you climbing outside. You just film what's going on and we'll talk about the chalk a little bit. And you put together a video and we'll call it even. Mm -hmm. And it was like amazing to be able to just start going climbing outdoors so early in my climbing hobby and doing kinds of climbing that is pretty, I'd say, inaccessible to beginner climbers. 
And yeah, so we, we got a real friendship going and he taught me so much about outdoor rock climbing, um, but also sort of the, the culture of rock climbing. And I was also, you know, kind of going through a little bit of a turbulent phase of life there. And he was really refreshingly laissez-faire about like work and career. And he was just, yeah, I guess he would be proud to call himself a dirtbag or a wannabe dirtbag in the sense that he just wanted to sleep in his van and go rock climbing. <laughs> so yeah, from there, yeah, I just climbed a ton. Um, my wife got into the sport with me and mm. we did a lot of climbing outside. Can you tell us a little bit about that rock climbing culture? I love the rock climbing culture because you have people that are a dirt bag in it living for extended periods of time out of their cars or living in the woods, shedding most of their kind of material possessions or at least devaluing that lifestyle. But they're incredibly smart people. Like I've had some of the most deep and intellectual conversations with rock climbers because I think there's something to being able to trust yourself and put your life in your own hands. And to know the gear and kind of have an understanding, enough understanding of physics to keep yourself safe while you're up on the, on these big rock faces. So yeah, that that's what I would say about the rock culture, rock climbing culture. But it's obviously more nuanced and diverse than that. I'm curious about when you got outside because I've done some climbing indoors, uh, some of the rock gyms locally here, and it's a great atmosphere. It's very safe too. Feeling like I, when you're talking about you thought it was years before you would actually get a chance to go up a mountain almost doing the ropes and stuff i would feel the same way and i I guess i was i'm curious how what was that like your first time out where you're you're ascending up this thing you've got the ropes and it's like you don't have the factory holds here you've got nature's holds i mean obviously the guy's gonna take care of you and you aren't going up something wild but still i'm i'm curious what that was like was it terrifying was it awesome yeah (laughs) it was terrifying is this a swearing podcast? Generally not. Okay. <laughs> then what I will say is there's a terminology, a term in rock climbing. It starts with an S and rhymes with pitted. <laughs> I was that uh, the, the first time. And, and this is a thing that I think for me anyway, this has been my experience with rock climbing is it's been as much a mental evolution as a physical one, if not more so a mental evolution than a physical one. And so when you go outside even on top rope, which means the rope is above me. And so my partner has already gone, gone up the route. He's already set the rope at the top of the route. I'm totally safe. If I have to fall, I just sit down a couple inches or a couple feet, a couple inches, and I'm totally safe. That was my first climbing experience. I went up a route called Mosquito Burrito, which to this day has a very special place in my heart. And yeah, I was totally scared. Um, even on top rope. And it was a different kind of climbing. It was what you would call slab climbing, which means there aren't a lot of big juggy holds to grab onto and places to put your feet. It's all very thin smears. And the the rock is kind of angled forward a little bit. And so you're using friction to stay on. And so it was a totally new kinds of kind of climbing. And it definitely, yeah, it was definitely terrifying. And every successive step in rock climbing I feel like you put yourself into that uncomfortable space and then you get comfortable with it. I can see what you're talking about with the mental aspect. I've gone out once with you to do boulder climbing and you kind of go up a foot and then you kind of look down and you're like, oh, wow, I'm up a foot. <laughs> like, and it's really not a big deal, but you go up a little bit more and suddenly it's, oh, wow, this is how high can I go? 
because in boulder climbing, you're not attached to a rope. You're just kind of solving a puzzle, climbing about, having fun. But at the same time, it is. Yeah, I can see the terrifying and the mental aspect, what you're talking about. Did it Mm -hmm. take a while for you to get over that? How many more times do you think you had to get out there before you were comfortable enough to do like a basic top rope? You know, after the first couple climbs, top roping all of a sudden became very comfortable and enjoyable. And I started to really just have fun being outside and seeing these beautiful places that we'd be in. Where the next big mental evolution happens is when you decide to lead routes. So if you don't know, there's several different kinds of rock climbing, but essentially if you're going to climb something, somebody has to go first, right? If you have access to the top of the route, you can, you know, create an anchor at the top and throw the rope over and top rope, which is what most people think of when they think of rock climbing. Because if you go to the gym too, everything is sort of set up that way where the ropes are already up there. You tie in, your partner Mm -hmm. keeps the rope tight and you go up. But the majority of outdoor climbing is not that way. Somebody needs to go first to get to the top, to set up the rope, to bring the next person up. And so the way we do that is you start climbing a little bit then you set some sort of protection on the wall and then you climb a little further and you set some more protection and you repeat this process until you get to the top. Between protections though, you've got a a pretty long fall. And so if you put a piece of protection and then you climb 10 more feet and then you fall, you're going to fall 10 feet to the the last piece of protection then another 10 feet for the the rope that was above that protection. Then these outdoor ropes, they stretch a lot. So you're going to have another five or 10 feet. So you could take a 30 foot whipper on on something like that. And so the consequences get to be where you're not going to die most likely, but they are there. Like you don't want to take that fall. You just don't. Right. There's a definite risk to it. Right. And so, but at some point you are following your partner up these routes. And so you have to start taking the sharp end. and. I remember, yeah, my first lead climb and yeah, it's, that's like absolutely next level, uh, terrifying. And so, yeah, I did that. Yeah. I would think too, that that would mentally be a very different process because if you're following someone else, your path is kind of decided for you and you can very much be in the moment, but you're not worrying so much about planning ahead. Whereas I think if you're the one who's, who's setting things up, you have to be very aware in the moment that you're doing things, but you also have to say, okay, what's the next place I'm setting up a safety and what's the thing after that? Yeah. It's such a roller coaster. It's so cool because you are, okay, you make a clip or, or you, whatever you set some protection or you make a spot where you're safe. Now you got to get to the next one. So you just sell you take a minute, you celebrate, ah, I'm safe. Okay. Now I got to go to the next one. And in between, yeah, there's all these moments where you have to make a move. And when, you, when you're outside as opposed to the gym, the, the potential for moves is infinite. There's so many different ways to do the next couple feet. And so you have to pick at some point what move you're going to make and you have to commit. So there's all these like things about rock climbing that I think are bigger than just the sport. So the concept of commitment, for instance, you run into commitment all over. How committed are you? Uh, how committed are you to finishing this route? How committed are you to getting stronger? How committed are you to exploration and sort of seeing these beautiful places? So you have to be able to do that a lot when you're on your own leading. I think there'd have to be a certain level of trust with the person you're climbing with as well. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that goes without saying it's very important (laughs) that you trust your partner and that you have good communication skills too. So a lot of times 
outside in the gym, you can always see your partner for the most part. Outside, a lot of times the leader will climb up over something and they'll be beyond your sight. So you have to have other forms of communication. You can yell to each other. Um, Some people carry walkie talkies, but a lot of times it's just a rope tug. There's a a signal. You give three rope tugs. That means you're anchored. And there's a lot of times where you have to come off belay. So if I'm leading and I climb up to my next sort of spot where I'm going to anchor in, I climb up there. I anchor myself directly to the wall and then I go off belay, which means that my partner can come off belay, which means if I wasn't anchored in, I would be in a very dangerous and exposed spot. So anyway, they need to, yeah, communication and, and all that stuff. Hello, listeners. We want to hear from you. We're putting together a special episode of the Enthusiasts Guild to kick off the new year. We'd like to hear what you are enthusiastic about for 2021. You can call us and leave a voicemail at 716-222-0828, and we may include it on the show. Now back to our conversation with Nick Gunner. Are you sold on outdoor climbing now? Like since you've done, when you did the Colorado ones, are you, is that where you want to be more often than inside the gym? Yeah, hundred percent. If I could climb outside every day, I, I would be outside every day. Wow. There's a lot of different kinds of climbers. I see the gym as a means to an end. To me, I go to the gym, I push myself and try to improve my skills because when I go outside, I want to just be in that pure joy sort of Zen-like mode where I'm just in this beautiful place, hanging out with friends in the woods. I I don't actually want to be scared outside. I want to be just purely enjoying my time out there. But yes, I am an outdoor climber. A lot of people though, they're totally content with the gym and that's cool. That's totally fine. That that was one of the things I wanted to ask is if you're somebody who kind of chases that adrenaline high the rest of the time, but it it sounds like that's not what it's about so much for you. Yeah. And I I would argue that rock climbing is very much the antithesis of an adrenaline high. While there are times when you do something and the adrenaline spikes and if that you get an adrenaline high, most of rock climbing is fighting that. Most of rock climbing is keeping very calm and keeping your brain in a Zen calm space because, and this is why I think rock climbers do a lot of yoga because when you're in yoga, you're putting your body into uncomfortable positions and you're basically training yourself to just breathe through it, stay calm. And, and then also to push your body to, to do things that it wasn't doing before that is rock climbing. And yet, so there are times when, you know, you're in the gym, you're bouldering and you're trying something, you're going to go for it. And you just like let out a scream and fly up something. And yeah, and you're like, whoa, yeah. So that was fun. But for the most part, I would say rock climbing is not an adrenaline sport. Nick, any memorable climbs that you've had so far? I know it's a short career so far. And uh, but anything that has stuck out in your mind as far as going outdoors or even indoors, anything that just to share with our listeners? I did a route up something called Castle Rock, which is just outside of Boulder, heading up into the mountains. It's almost like a small skyscraper. Like you could walk around Castle Rock. It's this giant rock. It's uh, maybe 450, 500 feet tall. And like I said, it's pretty small at the base in terms of you could walk around the whole thing in five, 10 minutes or something like that, or jog around it in maybe five, 10 minutes. And so it's this really neat feature. It's getting up into the Alpines, Alpine Mountains. So the surrounding view is just amazing. There's a creek at the base. And 
most of the good roots on it are what are called traditional or, or trad roots, which means there aren't bolts drilled into the rock where you can clip in for protection. So you have to have gear that you place into the rock to protect yourself. And so this is a kind of climbing that uh, as a relative beginner, you would never be able to to climb. You have to have a lot of experience and you have to have all the gear to be able to place things in cracks and and whatnot. My partner, Sean, he uh, at the time was in his late 40s and he'd been trad climbing since he was 18. So I had the opportunity to follow him. And as a follower too, I'm removing his gear on the way up. Um, but it was, it was a four pitch, I think. So, which means you'd climb one section of rock and then you kind of reset and then do another. So it was a four pitch climb and it was a little bit committing for him. So he was super psyched to get through some kind of committing trad sections. And when we got to the top, it was 360 view. You're standing on top of this thing. There's no hiking trail to get up there. There's literally, there's no way to get up there other than a helicopter or a, to rock climb up there. So it just felt really cool to just kind of sit up there and like take it in. And then there's a rappel off the other side. So we kind of hooked onto a tree and rappelled off the back of this, this amazing, amazing feature. So that was one really great climb. Was there a birthday climb? Oh, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. That was absolutely my favorite day of climbing. It was my 30th birthday and your sister made me an amazing breakfast of champions. And we went to find that climbing spot in New Mexico. And we this is off the beaten path. So we didn't know if it was going to be really good or not great. It was not a well-documented climbing area, but it turned out to be just heaven. And we had this two-wheel drive pickup truck, not an off-road vehicle at all. And so I had to push it as far as I could comfortably push that truck to get us as close to the climb as possible. I got us within two miles. So then we had to go up, hike through the desert, up this steep incline, another two miles to get just to the base of where all the climbing was. And it was glorious, just a glorious day day of climbing. And your sister, without me knowing, snuck into her pack a canteen of wine. She had prosciutto. She had like a whole cheese platter and crackers and like uh, some sort of salad. And it was just, it was, so we finished this epic day of climbing. It's my 30th birthday. Already I'm so, super fulfilled with the day. And then on our hike back down, we find this beautiful ledge and she's just like, we're going to stop for a break and pulls out this Italian feast, you know, on the side of this amazing spot. Yeah, that was a great, I'm glad you brought that up. That was an amazing day. Is there one that you have as your dream climb or, or that you've got your eye on right now? Yeah, I really want to do one of two big wall climbs in Yosemite. I either want to do something on El Capitan. That's almost like a stereotype or cliche even for me to say, because like everybody wants to go and climb El Capitan, but I'm really serious about it. I want to climb something on El Capitan, but I would settle for the northwest face of Half Dome. Actually, I think the northwest face of Half Dome in Yosemite is my biggest dream climb. And so my timeline, I was hoping to make that happen in 2022, but COVID kind of pushed my climbing schedule and plans back a little bit. So I'm hoping 2023 to build up the skills, build up the partners and get out there and and do that. One of those big walls. What is it about that that is so appealing to you? I know that's an appealing spot for a lot of rock climbers, but to you, what's what's the interest? There's the history of Yosemite, which is 
certainly you want to be a part of that. And so these climbs are well-documented. There's, there's specific sections of both walls that are, you just want to be there. I want to be on the thank God ledge on the Northwest face of half dome. That's there's this famous photo of Alex Honnold standing there, the national geographic cover where he's standing on thank God ledge. And it's just him exposed and looking over the Valley. Um, so I want to be a, I want to be a part of those places, but you know, just the idea of waking up in the morning and being several thousand feet in the air, hanging on a ledge, like what an amazing thing. The first time I saw El Capitan, I was like, oh my God, like people climb that. That's, I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care what your career is. I don't care if, if you can climb that you are a successful human being (laughs) in my opinion. So, so that's, that's why I want to, yeah, I want to do those. Is that a couple day climb? Does that, is that something you got to camp out while you're climbing up? Yep. Yeah. Both are multi-day climbs. El Capitan is usually done between three and five days. Um, Half dome can be done in a day, but more practically it's a, a two or three day climb. And, you know, depending on how you choose to do it, it can take longer or shorter. I would want to do them as quickly as possible without being like crazy, but the less water and gear you can carry up there, the more enjoyable it is, I've been told. So if you do all the training ahead of time and you do the work to get your systems down ahead of time, from what I've read, it makes for a more joyful climbing experience. So you'll be one of those people hooking a tent up, your sleeping bag, spending the night out on a rock face. Yeah. That seems pretty yeah, wicked. Which it, you know, <laughs> I always thought that too, before getting into climbing. And, but now actually that's the least, the least of it. I plan on probably in a year or two, getting that kind of gear and getting all those systems down and going up to the Adirondacks. There's some relatively big walls up there. Um, There's a feature called wall face up there that is maybe 800 feet, but the route's like 800 feet. Maybe the maybe the wall is like 600 feet, but anyway, you could go up there and yeah, you could set up your portal ledge, which is like your little campsite hanging from the side of the rock and spend a night practice. Now, if somebody's interested in getting started and climbing, what resources would you point them to? I would say just go to the gym. If you have a rock gym close by, go to the gym. I think that one mistake people make when they go to the gym for the first time is that they just boulder. Bouldering, you don't need to hook into a rope. So there's there's an appeal to the, to it for its simplicity. You can just go in there and you just climb and you fall and it's padded floors and and whatever. But I actually would say, go with a partner, go with a friend, try to go on a day when they're doing belay classes so that you can get belay certified in the gym and you can actually climb regular routes on rope because bouldering is actually more physical. So it can be a little bit discouraging and it's also more committing because even though the the climbs are only like 15 feet tall and you fall on a nice cushy padded floor, it still can hurt your ankle and it's a little bit scary. And so it's counterintuitive, but climbing the taller walls tends to be a little bit more, a little bit easier. And I think you'll get a little bit more out of the experience. So that's how I would recommend getting started. You'll learn everything from the gym that you need to get started. And then from there you meet people, you need, you definitely need to meet people in the space to be able to get outside and go outside. There's just, I don't think there's any other way to go climbing outdoors. We went to Ellicottville, what, uh, Little Rock City, or is it Rock City? It's a New York State forest park in Ellicottville, and we did some boulder climbing. And that was just a lot of fun. And I, I think I kind of, like I am, if you're the 50th percentile of average, I'm the zero percentile of terrible. <laughs> so like 
but it was really enjoyable just being outside. So I do, I can see what you're saying with that appeal of being out there. Like I've done the gym climbing. The friend and I used to go up to the Niagara Falls climbing gym before there was a new one in Buffalo. And we would do that a lot in college. And it was just, you know, you get a good workout, you go, you kind of, you solve some puzzle problems that they have for bouldering. But when we were doing those uh, actual rock climbs outside and you're kind of really looking for each little hold or foothold and like I was saying, you just get up a little bit and you think, oh, wow, I'm up a few feet. Like, it's amazing. And just to be outside and I, I can see that appeal. So I would love to, I hope we can get, we will get back to more of it. It'll be good. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, Adam. So I have this, this thought about rock climbing that it seems to me kind of like skateboarding in the sense of you're all kind of just like hanging out, doing this point, relatively pointless thing, but you're all working on like a shared goal. When I, I never was a skateboarder, I know you did in in your younger years, and I, so I was curious at what you thought of that. Did, did, does it does it resonate as some a similar vibe? Oh sure, yeah. You just kind of standing around with some of the equipment and your miller hanging out, and then occasionally you do something like, "Hey, look at him!" And yeah, again, is I'm not a professional skateboarder and <laughs> no. never was, but yeah, you, you just yeah, it's not necessary to do in life but it's something enjoyable it's something good to do and and i still and what we we did that ellicottville trip just a month and a half ago i think it was a really nice friday and i blew off work and we went down there and and i still think about that it's just how cool it was to just kind of solve a little bit of a problem and in watching you like when again i know you're not at this highest level but you're above me and watching what you were doing was really amazing to just see him Fletcher, he was just like working his way around this rock wall. And then it was a whole problem. They scoot his way up. And I'm thinking, that's just nuts. Like to have the finger hold strength, to have the understanding of it, the movement, and you kind of get into it. And it's, I do want to go back now. So I, I think for people that are interested, like it can be pretty quick as far as getting into it. You just do a couple little things like, oh, wow, this is sweet. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. The, the progression in it is what is so addicting about it, I think, is the first time you go to the rock gym, you're going to climb like three things and you're going to be shot. You're, you know, it, it, and, and you're going to be so dead the next day, so sore. It's going to hurt so bad. But if you were to go back the next week, you might do four or five things. If you were to continue that for like a month or two, though, all of a sudden you're climbing like way more. The progression happens fast. The onboarding is quick. Your, your body adapts to climbing very quickly. But it never ends. It it never ends, right? Like you're every single time you go to the gym, you do something different, something better. They reset all the problems. They they rotate through and they're creating new challenges and new problems in the gym. So you're always like working through new problems. You always have a project you're working on. And you always think about it. Like when I if I have a hard time falling asleep, I this is weird, but I will think about my project. I'll lay there in bed and I'll imagine climbing that project so that I can sort of drill the, the moves into my head. And um, yeah, so that's, I think it's super addicting. And then the, the ability to progress is infinite. You were talking about culture earlier. I think one of the cool things though, is that it doesn't matter what level you're at. People at these rock gyms, in my experience, are so supportive of everybody. It could be your first time. And if you're working on like a really easy boulder problem and you're struggling with it, but you're, you're trying it over and over, People will gravitate to you and they'll give you beta. So they'll give you a little bit of advice on 
what they would do differently or this or that. And they'll encourage you and everyone will celebrate when you accomplish your goal. And I just love that. Every time I'm there, there'll be some really stellar rock climber doing something really physically intense and people will be like really impressed, of course. But then there's like the middle of the road rock, you know, problem that everyone else is trying to figure out. And we all encourage each other. And I love, I just love that. There are two in our, uh, in the Buffalo region, there's the Niagara Climbing Center off of Niagara Falls Boulevard. And then there's the other one I'm trying to think of the name, Nick, can you help me out? Yeah. Central Rock Gym in the first ward in Buffalo. Amazing world-class rock gym. It's better than any other rock gym I climbed in, in Colorado, anywhere. The root setters there are like really awesome. I love climbing there so much because like every route they set, there's like some lesson hidden in the route. And yeah, they're, they're fantastic there. I love that rock gym. So definitely some options for people in our Western New York region, even though they can't quite go outside and do the uh, chimney rocks or anything like that, they can go inside and find the gyms here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a godsend. Uh, when we were moving back to Western New York, that was the one thing I was really sad about was that I wasn't going to have a place to go climbing. And they opened up that gym a month before we moved back. And I was so happy. I'm going there in about an hour. So (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect. It's something you see yourself doing for a long time now. It will obviously, as long as I can, the cool thing about rock climbing is it's not this young man's sport. We got, we have, we have climbers at the gym that are in their seventies. See, and that's something that surprises me a little bit. Cause I would have assumed that this was like, uh, oh yeah, you, you start when you're in your teens or early twenties and have all this physical strength and just kind of go from there. No. Yeah. I mean, from a, high level perspective there are climbers in their 50s that are make that are doing incredible accomplishments to the overall climbing world that are climbing at the highest levels um of course like when you look at the olympics but you're going to see young folks there so you're going to see people in their teens mid 20s at the oldest you know late 20s maybe at their oldest climbing so yeah there's this high level you know olympian type level but from uh something that you're going to do as a lifelong activity. I just watched a documentary about um, one of the big alpinists in the 20th century, and he passed away maybe five years ago or something like that. And he was still climbing in his 90s. At some point, people do call it in. You know, people have issues with arthritis. One of the big sort of founders in Yosemite, uh, his name was Royal Robbins. He, you know, had arthritis and joint issues. So he started taking that spirit of exploration and adventure and he channeled it into kayaking. So he was this rock climber focused on us doing, putting up these first ascents and he shifted over to kayaking where he was doing first descents down rivers for the rest of his life. And he did that into his you know, older years. Oh, that's really cool. Being a, a new dad right now, I am, I am thinking about the kinds of things that I would like to encourage my kids to do. Of course, I don't want to tell them what to do, but I would urge them to say, hey, if you're going to invest time and energy into something, you might consider things that you can do your whole life, you know, rather than things that are going to be a huge strain on you in your late teens and early 20s. And then you have to retire by, by your mid 20s. So just my own opinion. So that's why I like rock climbing. It's like golf. You can invest in it now and forever. Your little guy's about eight months old now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, when's he getting out on his first wall? Hopefully in like six months. Yeah, I've we have uh, friends that had a, a little girl. She was you know, a little over a year old when we started going to the gym with them and they would bring her along and we would rotate watching her and they have a little kids section in the rock gym. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, you're kind of holding her and, you know, spotting her and, but she was making her way up that wall at just over a year old. So yeah, I, I'm thinking we'll have them in the gym climbing in the next six months, six, eight months. If, if anything, that's more natural to them, I think. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm crawling around on the floor now, I'll be crawling up a wall. <laughs> you know, it's so weird, man, especially having kids. You start to really see us as monkeys. Right. And it makes you think about this stuff from like a primal standpoint. Like maybe the reason I love rock climbing so much is because I descended from the trees and a part of me wants to get back there. But then I watch this kid and he's pulling himself up and the joy that he gets from reaching as high as he can, pulling and standing the like the freedom that he can experience in that. Yeah, I, I there's something to that. Nick, was there anything you wanted to make sure to include? The, the one thing that I did would just want to point out about rock climbing is the purity of it. I think that there's a lot of things that there's some external motive. And with rock climbing, it is a purely internal value. You're doing things for yourself and nobody else. So you have these huge accomplishments all the time when you're rock climbing and nobody cares. And that's what I love about it. You're not doing it to impress anyone. You're not doing it for any external reason. You're just doing it for yourself. And yeah, I I think that's really, really an honorable thing in an activity. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Enthusiasts Guild. You can find all of our episodes on your podcast player of choice. You can find us on Facebook at The Enthusiasts Guild, on Twitter at Enthusiast Guild, and on Instagram at The Enthusiasts Guild. You can also email us at theenthusiastsguild at gmail.com. Our music this episode is Cool Rock by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, used under a Creative Commons license. 